0: yes, good low. Hello and welcome to Demystifying Detection Dog with MD Dogs. I'm Maggie Kubla and I'm a trainer with MD Dogs. Um, I also have my own company, so Say Less. Um, And today me and Libby Rockway, the founder of MD Dogs, are going to be chatting about diabetic dogs.
1: Awesome. I'm super excited to kind of jump into this and have our very first podcast. So we will see. I'm not sure that this is uh, either of our natural environments here. Um. (laughs) But I think it would be really neat to kind of answer some questions that people have and um, whether that's on uh, the Facebook groups that we have for MD Dogs um, and that training community as well as clients and just other things that kind of we hear through the grapevine. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be really good to just like approach those questions head on and uh, see if we can help some people out if they're interested in listening. Because
0: um, I certainly know I wish I had more information when I started. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Moving forward, grab yourself a drink. We are having an adult beverage, um, but you're welcome to get lemonade, sweet tea, water, anything. Um, and just listen to us talk about dogs, because we can talk about it forever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is true. Uh, awesome. Cool. Jump in. Okay. For the first question that people are having is, how many sessions per day, how long, and how do you know when to move to the next step?
1: Ooh, okay. Um, This one, there's things that's uh, do as I say and not as I do. (laughs) (laughs) I would say this falls into that bucket. Um, Typically, I usually tell people three times a day um, for like ideal scenarios, Mm -hmm. but super short, like two to three minutes. Um it, depending on you know kind of what dog you're working with, right mm-hmm. like if I have an eight week old puppy, we do three minute sessions because that's the attention span mm-hmm. um, but if it's a dog that you have been working with, you have a long history with, they have a long training history, then you could do longer training sessions for sure, yeah, um but two to three minutes at the start is great for like intro and like those beginning imprinting stages, and then I pretty quickly kind of go up from there um frequency wise like three times a day but in all reality I I don't do that
0: (laughs) that's a great sounding idea yeah I could train my dog three times a day it would be (laughs) perfect yeah Yeah. right like I mean Mm -hmm. I'm doing really well if I'm once a day in all honesty yeah like I either I'm kind of like all or nothing where I'll do like three times <laughs> a day and then I won't train her for like weeks. And then exactly. and then I'll like, OK, we're going to like hardcore do training. And then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which is realistic. But it is. I feel like it's more. I think it's more important to like do the shorter sessions at the beginning and try to get mm-hmm. them in. But I'd I'd focus more on like a two to three minute session whenever I'm first teaching a behavior yeah. versus like pushing it. Yeah, totally.
1: And I do think the easier thing with. um like, you brought home a new puppy, you're super stoked, is they have to eat three times a day. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it really easy to just, like, do a three-minute training session three times a day. Yeah. But, like, with my older dogs, they eat once a day. And I'm not really thinking about it, and then I just kind of fall into the habit of, like, feeding them out of a bowl or, like, out of a puzzle. Yeah. And then, you know, not taking the time to train them. Um, But with puppies, you know, those, those meal times are great times to, like, introduce... When, you know, hey, we're going to do this super short training session. Mm -hmm. um, And then put it away. Because I also get into the habit of, like, the puppy's doing really well. And so I keep making them longer and longer sessions. And then I push them too far. Because, like, we're doing great until they're not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, with Melly, because she's an Aussie, I literally, like, I've started doing, when I'm teaching a new behavior, I'll maybe do a minute of teaching a new behavior. Because she overthinks it so much. Granted, she's not a puppy. interesting. And so, like, if I give her just, like, a perfect, like easy first step and then oh. I put it away, she does 10 times better yeah. with a new behavior. But then, you know, she's three years old and she's a trainer so then I can push other yeah. things really far. But um, sometimes if I just get a perfect rep of something, mm. I just end it mm-hmm. and just be done with it. Yeah. Um, but I probably, you know, but to an extent it's going to require you to do more than one rep.
1: It's just a neurotic <laughs> Australian shepherd yeah, I know that. at the end of the day. And she learns it in one rep.
0: Yeah. So that is that's true. Um, but yeah, really, I would like to, keep to it, like, if my dog does three really good reps of something as yes. a puppy, like, I feel like I'm like, we're good. Like, mm-hmm. we can we can end there. Yeah. And, and on a good note versus pushing it. Yeah. I feel like the timeline is really, like, when my dog's doing well as mm-hmm. well. I'll, I'll cut it short.
1: Totally. That's, um, that kind of brought me two things. So one is I have noticed that I've been pushing dogs longer and longer, like, just kind of my sloppiness and not paying attention, so I've started actually setting timers for myself. Oh, yeah, that's smart. Even if the dog is doing poorly, we end it. It's just at, as long as that, you know, five minute or three minute timer goes off, it's time to move on, and you know we're, we'll go play tug or something instead, because mm-hmm. um, I don't always have the self control. Um, like I'm just kind of into it and I don't pay attention. Yeah. Um, and then I look back, I'm like, oh, I should have ended that, you know, five minutes ago. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we weren't productive and it wasn't good for our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is I've started using the th- the kind of three reps. Um, for, like, when to end a session, but also, like, when to move on to the next. Like, if we're doing three three great reps in a row, especially with these, like, quick learning dogs, I find know. that they want to move on and, like, progress to the next step after that. Because if I keep drilling them, they just get sick of it. They just get bored.
0: hmm Yeah. 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 It's, it's always a tentative game of, like, when to hold back and when to push forward. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of, like, a hard balance with dogs. I mean, to extent, I'd rather people hold back a smidge. hmm But... I mean, it depends on the dog Yeah. also. Yeah. You know.
1: And that's what's really hard is, like, um, in the MD Dodge book, there's a lot of times where it's, like, 100 repetitions of this. And those are all, like, guidelines, <laughs> right? So <laughs> like, I, I mean, I think 100 reps would be good, yeah. but some dogs can do it in 50. Other dogs need 150. And it's really about knowing your dog and when they are confidently doing the right thing yeah. over and over and over again. And most things don't ever need a hundred reps, that that's just like for the imprinting stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so hard to give an objective measure because it just depends so much on the dog mm-hmm. and what yeah, what they need and how they are like behaviorally acting mm-hmm. with that behavior that you're working on. Like are they confident in it and like boom 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 they're doing it right away, or are they still thinking about it and making mistakes along the way?
0: Yeah. I agree, I agree.
1: That was uh, very much inconclusive. On the, okay, when and to
0: move to the next step? When to the portion? When your dog is able to do it, and with a few reps, you know, if you have three good reps of the yeah. dog doing a behavior, you can move it to the next step. I would say the only mm-hmm. re- way that would not be correct is like if you're imprinting a scent. Like you yeah. don't imprint it like three times and then yeah. move on. But I, like that's if you're taking a sit or a down or a mm-hmm. whatever, that's um, more. Stationary yeah. behavior versus a scent based behavior because we're not trying to necessarily the value in the scent as much as we would for a scent imprinting, maybe? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah that, that, that makes
0: sense. sense. I feel like with the imprinting,
1: you have to have so many um, distinct kind of exposures to it mm-hmm. that it's that um, they kind of tie the value to the odor mm-hmm. so much more than we're not trying to tie value to a scent behavior. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, so I, I totally agree. I think a couple times, and it also depends on your dog. Like, if your dog is a, you know, five out of five dog of, like, they need five good reps before they move on, mm-hmm. then, you know, great. But some dogs are going to need three, or like Melly might need one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one out of one, and then move on. Yeah. Um, but it's really just,
0: it's based on your dog a lot. Yeah. And even with, um, like, Scout. Like, she would, you could get one really good rep, and it was best to end there with her. Yeah. Where she would, uh, then she'd, like, start progressing back. Like, she would just get mm-hmm. worse if the more you pushed it. So, mm-hmm. if you have one really good rep with a dog, and then you notice them, like, them fading, and them not doing the behavior as well. Yeah. I feel like, I'm like, oh, okay, you're one of, you're a dog that just needs, oh, yeah. you did really good, we ended the party, and it's all fun, and you did the behavior right, we go play. Um but pushing it with her doesn't go well. <laughs> um, it definitely does not. But where, like, you know, I feel like with Pickles or um, he could do a lot more reps. Mm-hmm. Like, I could get five really solid ones back to back and he didn't really overthink it. Yeah. You no know, you know, golden retriever, just kind of chill boy. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it is dog dependent. I think mm-hmm. if your dog's willing to give you those nice consecutive reps, try to get you know, three, maybe yeah. five. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Three to five, I think the biggest thing is like three to three out of three or five out of five, but mm-hmm. you don't want three out of five. Yeah. You want to know that your dog is knowing exactly what you're asking of them mm-hmm. every single time and then you can move on to the next stage. But what you don't want is a dog that's still guessing and like sometimes offering the wrong behavior. Mm-hmm. It's really like that hundred percent and then you determine how many reps that hundred percent is out of. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. makes mm-hmm. sense. I yeah. agree. I mm-hmm. agree. So really depends on, <laughs> depends on the dog depends on the dog. This <laughs> is the answer of like everything dog training though is it depends. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but a good goal for those is, you know, a couple sessions a day, ideally. But it's if you miss a couple sessions, it's not the end of the world. Um mm-hmm. and short is better than long.
0: Yeah. For the duration of it. hmm I'd rather really have more perfect practice than the less yeah. amount of times. Definitely. Quality over quantity. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, next up. Ooh, this is a big topic. Um, Alerting in the car. And kind of, I'm assuming it's how do we go through the entire training process with it to uh, get dogs that will end up being reliable in the car as well as kind of where they should be and how they should do it.
0: Yeah. Dogs are the worst at generalizing behavior. Um, Like, just across the board. They are just, humans are really good at generalizing behaviors. Dogs are awful. Mm-hmm. Um, getting an alert in the car is going to be more difficult than getting a, a mm-hmm. you know an alert. I feel like even compared to maybe even in public in some situations because it's such a it, it's the dog has to not only be very confident alerting in just like a distracting environment but also mm-hmm. alerting at awkward angles yeah and like also potentially at a distance. Um, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. factors I feel like that go into it where it's really, it's tough on dogs to know, like, first know their job of alerting and then be able to, like, maneuver themselves in order to Mm -hmm. alert, even if it's not necessarily, like, the most comfortable. Yeah. Like, if your dog's in, like, the back of your vehicle, like, and you're in the front, like, for them to alert to that, like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's it would require a lot of creativity on your dog's part, and so it's important for us to, like, set them up for success. And, per- and make it feel like they can feel confident by like, okay, we go on the floorboard in the front of the car. And we practice alerting with a hidden set sample and then we go to the back seat and then we sit in the passenger seat and then they're in the back seat and like all these different scenarios mm-hmm. so that they feel like they've had a bunch of repetitions at all different positions because mm-hmm. you sitting in the front seat is going to look different than you sitting in the back seat
1: yeah
0: for your dog. I feel, like it's, I feel like car loads are surprisingly can be very difficult for dogs.
1: Yeah, they really can. I mean, just like you said, like there's so many variables to it because, you know, if you have a spouse and you're driving with them, the dog's gonna be in a different, you know, situation likely than when you're driving. Or if the dog is for kids, well what does it look like when, you know, the kid starts sitting in the front seat? Where's the dog? Or if all the siblings are in the car. Where's the kid? Where's the dog? And, you know there's so many different situations. And then the other one is you think about the air vents mm. and whether those are kind of um, playing to the dog's favor. Mm. Are they blowing the, the odor to the dog or are they blowing the odor from the person away from the dog? And there's all these things that might also change even throughout, like, the car ride. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's so many factors that we
0: have to prepare them for. Mm. It really is a lot more complicated than I think people give it credit. Yeah, I didn't even, honestly didn't even think about the air vents. That that yeah. would drip, but like you know, sometimes it circulates through the car. Sometimes yes, it doesn't. Like exactly, I, yeah. That would I don't cool. even
1: know what that button means. Honestly,
0: but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's like either it's keep on circulating in the car, yeah. or it's from outside. <laughs> I'm I don't know. Very unclear on that one. I don't. I don't think I've ever pressed. Whatever it's on is what it's on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that would change everything. Yeah. There's um, a lot to it.
1: Yeah, and then that um, the balance is a big one I have found with dogs mm-hmm. is so if they do a paw alert. A lot of times i've seen them lose confidence in the car because suddenly they're having to stand on three legs in a moving vehicle and so they're hesitant then to pick up their paw because then they're balancing in a weird position sometimes on the floorboard sometimes on the seat and again yeah. it's really just like a lot to ask
0: of them um you have to do fitness with your service dog yeah <laughs> to <the> alert <laughs> exactly and, and, yeah uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot to it. But so, yeah. Which means just, it's just kind of a lot for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's doable. It's just it requires specific training. Yeah. It requires, like, it's not like you can just take your dog. I and mean, granted, there are some dogs that you can send and train at home, and they yeah. can do it, and they, they figure it out in the car. They get mm-hmm. creative, but there's a lot of dogs that need yeah. that. They need that training in the yeah. car specifically. Absolutely. And really, if you are dedicated
1: about, like, okay, we're going to take a scent sample, and we're going to practice in a stationary car in the parking lot, or in the driveway, or whatever, and you do those reps, and then you move to, now the car is moving, and we're going to practice, it's not that hard, like, they do pick it up, mm-hmm. um, it just takes intentional training that I think a lot of people don't think about, they mm-hmm. think about, you know, I have a diabetic alert dog, they're, they alert great at home, okay, let's take them out in public, you go low on the drive there, and you're like, well, why didn't my dog alert, right, like, they're, they're trained, um, so it's not that hard if we just are intentional about it, but it just requires us to be intentional.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the generalizing is, they say, I think the number seven, where you're supposed to generalize mm-hmm. your dog's behavior to seven different locations in order for them to... I haven't even heard that. Uh It's yeah. a great guide. I think maybe Christina. Okay. Tell me that one. Maybe it was I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, the, your dog, oh, yeah. if like, she does it with paw targets... For okay. Barn hunt and a dog that's struggling with paw targets hmm. will have them that it's not confident doing the paw target for barn hunt. Um, in class, she will have them go home and find seven different things for their dog to paw target oh, okay. in order to make them feel more confident. Which I've heard the seven. I feel like I've heard the seven a long time ago. Maybe. Okay. whatever I was in my apprenticeship. I don't remember. Hmm. Um, but it was some like seven, and it depends on the dog. Some dogs need ten. Some dogs need less. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a general number. To so my thought process is, if my twenty, my dog to alert in the car, I should it should be comfortable alerting in public, yeah. almost um, mm-hmm. in seven different locations for me to have the car alert. Because I feel like I don't focus on the car alert until after the dog's already successfully alerting in public. Yeah, that's, that's why I point. go. That's why I go through it, and yeah. then it's usually not that hard. Yeah, at least I've never pushed a alert. dog that alerts in the home and then try car alerts mm-hmm. without them alerting in public. I've never tried that before.
1: Yeah, it just kind of always ends up at. Kind of towards the end of my list as well. Yeah. Kind of before placement, I make sure that we cover that. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, because it's been generalized to other locations so much, it's not that hard. Like, they pick it up yeah. as long as you just go through the motions of it. Yeah. Um, the one other thing is I have a lot of dogs that their alert in the car does not necessarily look like they're alert everywhere else. Like, you know, those pawing dogs, um, they normally paw your leg. But sometimes they will paw, like, the center console. If you're driving, that will become their alert. Or other times, um, mine haven't done this, but I've heard of others where uh, the dog just will put its head on the center console. And that's its alert. Mm-hmm. Like, And to a certain extent, as long as the dog doesn't do that in other scenarios, then that's perfectly valid. Um, and so it's kind of something where, as you're training it, keep that in mind of, like, you don't have to have this perfect alert that looks identical to every other environment. The alert just needs to be distinct, right? It doesn't have to be identical. So just kind of
0: take what the dog is offering and what they're comfortable
1: with, because then they'll probably be more accurate
0: anyways. Mm-hmm. That's a really great point. I, yeah, no, that, that just... What they give you is probably as much <laughs> as they can give in exactly. a car situation yeah. and, like, taking it. Yeah, no, that makes a sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, as long as it works for you, then they'll, you know, they'll offer it again as long as you reinforce it. Um, the big thing is, like, if your dog is constantly asking you for, like, pets in the car,
0: you know, <laughs> not like my dog that comes yeah. up <laughs> yeah, exactly puts exactly. her head on everyone's shoulder <laughs> <they're, this laughs> driving, so um, she's not an alert dog, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but,
1: yeah, it has to be different than their normal car behavior. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And then there's other people that crate their dogs in the back of the car and then put, like, a doorbell mm. in the crate. Um, which is possible, and I think I know maybe one or two people that have done that or that have su- and I've suggested it to a couple people, but I do think that there's something to like kind of like what we were just talking about how the dogs are probably going to be more accurate if they're if, if it's a natural behavior um, Ringing a doorbell is not a natural behavior,
0: and so it just requires a lot more training yeah. and just a lot more time so
1: it's doable, but mm-hmm. yeah. it just depends on what you're willing to invest.
0: yeah, I did a doorbell. Yeah crate alert for Pickles. hmm Because um, he would sleep in Nox's room. Yeah. But the mom would sleep in her room, and she wanted to have some way that Pickles could potentially alert her mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, well, night alerts would be next. Um, <laughs> but um, I feel like with – it was – he does it, but mm-hmm. is not the most consistent alert. of it's yeah. obviously, he has a pawing alert. He's much. He's happy to throw those paws, um, <laughs> but the, but the doorbell is definitely just doesn't feel natural to mm-hmm. him as much. Yeah. So they don't rely on it necessarily as like a hun, like more as much as they do yeah. as pawing. Um, but it's there, you know, if they need it. Yeah. I did the same thing
1: with um, Maggie. I oh, really like okay. uh, Maggie and Philly, and um, so Philly was trained for a doorbell in the kennel. Same reason, young kiddo. Um, I think she was three, um, but it's also the same thing of, like, he did, use, she did use it, like, it was, and it was reliable, um, but they just don't really use it that much now, and it kind of went away pretty quickly. Um, I almost think theirs is because Philly started sleeping in the bed with Maggie,
0: <laughs> but <Yeah>. then <laughs> Philly
1: would run and jump on the parents' bed yeah. to alert, and okay. it's like, well, that was, Perfectly sufficient, right? And probably even better. Oh, yeah, even um, better than a doorbell. Yeah, That's and so more weird. natural for her too. Yeah, but the dog enjoyed it more. The kid enjoyed it more. So <laughs> yeah, the doorbell, great tool if you really want to go through it. But
0: I have yet to have a client actually use it continuously. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Pickles. We haven't talked about it, and. In- a couple of years now and i don't yeah. know if they use i doubt they create pickles anymore. yeah exactly so, so many people just yeah. don't create after i send them home too right i think they, they did it for a little bit but i don't i don't they probably to do it. you know yeah as long mm-hmm. as, as long as it's a good
1: boy it's fine Exactly. Um, yeah
0: that's funny
1: <laughs> short lived, but but yeah you can use it So variety of techniques
0: right exactly but, okay next is high <clears throat> everyone has questions about high alerts um the specific question is how to teach your dog a different alert for a high, Mm. Um, but also I want to add in when to start teaching a high alert, or if you do teach a high alert. Okay. That's what I was thinking about going Yes,
1: that's good. Okay, so let's start with the how to teach your dog a different alert for highs, because I think that'll be pretty fast, at least, maybe not in your opinion, but in my opinion, it's pretty fast. Um, (laughs) I do not teach a different alert for lows and highs. And I don't advocate for it, um, honestly, for a liability reason. Like, we love our dogs. They can be great diabetic alert dogs, but I never want a dog deciding whether you will dose yourself with glucose or insulin. Like, that is a life-threatening, you know, situation there. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if you, you know, even if the dog has been right 100 or 500 or 1,000 times, if they're wrong one time, you know, and the handler just starts to get a little bit too casual about it and is like, oh you know, I'll just do so get a little bit of insulin to get myself started and then I'll go check later and things like that. But you happen to be low and your dog happened to get confused, I just never want that to be because of the dog's training. Like yeah. the dog can't give you a number. I'm just never comfortable with the dog telling you, you know, whether you should, you know, go up or down. Based on their alert. Um, so, and and if you're not deciding your dose based on that, then I don't see any
0: value to having a different alert, right? Yeah, that makes total sense. Like, that's, yeah, dosing yourself based off of the dog alerting but not checking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's that could get really, yeah. really scary. And,
1: and I think it could just be too easy to fall into that. -hmm. Right, like as you you know, you start to trust your dog and rely on them. It can be so easy to fall into like, well, they're right every other time, Mm -hmm. you know. So I'll just you know have a couple smarties to boost
0: myself up a little bit, but you know, then you're in a worse position than you were before. Yeah, and also the fact that we don't know what they're alerting to. Yeah. At the end of the day, I Mm -hmm. think it's it would maybe even hinder the dog in changing up the alert because what they're smelling I feel like I feel like it would just make the dog question themselves more about Mm -hmm. things and yeah and and I feel like I wouldn't want to push that I think your point's more valid but I feel like at the end of the day I just don't want to confuse the dog and make it more difficult for them Mm -hmm. just to make it a little bit easier for me because you want to say alert you're going to check exactly you know like it's not going to be like you don't want them Mm -hmm. alert and then don't check you Mm -hmm. know or (laughs) just guess and then you know go with it um yeah. I agree with that. Uh, an alert, and then you check regardless. Yep. So, anyways, yeah. You absolutely
1: can teach a different alert for a high. We just don't. <laughs> yeah. Also just adds,
0: it just makes more work. Yeah. It's just overly complicated then. Mm-hmm. So. Um, uh, when to teach a high? Oh. Cool. Uh, <laughs> 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 Another fun question. Yeah, that's
1: fun. Um, so it is, actually is super cool. The dog's all alert to highs on their own pretty much like they'll just start alerting to highs so um and for an example Olaf just met his person a couple weeks ago and um met Andreas for the first time and then we were doing some training and then out of the blue Olaf pawed Andreas which is his alert behavior and um I was you know pretty skeptical I always give them the whole spiel of Mm -hmm. we don't expect the dog to alert especially because Olaf hasn't had any of um andreis's samples yet mm. and so i was like you know we have not done the foundation for this like coming into this don't expect the dog to alert this isn't going to be some
0: magical disney moment <laughs> right like you know <laughs> a lot <laughs> of friends and just alerts exactly every time.
1: yeah um that's not what we have here yeah it's true that's very appropriate isn't it <laughs> um But uh, So I already had given him his spiel or whatever, but we were only probably half an hour in, and (laughs) Olaf paused him, and I'm like, well, that is technically his alert behavior, so we will check, but he might be just confused um, about the obedience and things, and uh, sure enough, though, uh, Andreas was high, and I was like, well, Olaf has never smelled a high blood sugar before, but that was his first high alert. Right? He's just a perfect boy. Well he's I would not say perfect. perfect. <laughs> not say perfect. He's a cool boy, but he's <laughs> not a perfect boy. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, I mean and he was actually super confident about it mm-hmm. with those highs. Um because he did it a couple times with Andreas over um over the course of the day. Um but yeah, they, they typically just start to learn and alert on their own. The one thing I will say is often when the dogs start alerting their confidence is lower when they alert to those eyes. Like, it doesn't usually look the same. I would say Olaf was probably an outlier there of, like, mm-hmm. his insane confidence of, like, this is an alert. Um, usually it's kind of a lot of sniffing and maybe a, a baby paw or a baby nose nudge
0: or whatever your yeah, baby is. They're like, maybe? Exactly. <laughs> like, could like, I get snacks <laughs> for this? I think this is close <laughs> to it. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And, like, adding it, because in M.D. Dog's book they have it where – you have it where they, <laughs> yeah. that's say they, um, uh, working the scent wheel and yeah. adding it in. Is it, do you mm-hmm. find you do that mainly just to decide the range and teach the dog the range that you want them to learn to?
1: Yeah. So typically I do that just for like that specific threshold training, but also I would say if you're a trainer and you have a client who knows that they want lows and highs. Um, so Andreas wasn't as concerned about highs Um, and I also didn't have any samples from him. So I was going to wait to, um, expose Olaf to high samples until I got Andreas's, uh, just for kind of consistency and building that foundation with him. Um, but so if you're a trainer, I think putting it into the scent wheel is great and a good intro for it. Um, or you can go back to the beginning if you really want, um, with high scent samples and build that foundation. There's lots of methods that work. Um, with really all of dog training, Um, but especially with this, given that most dogs already have that connection for some reason, that we really don't know why, but (laughs) we will take it. Um, So if you're a trainer, I'd go that route. But if you're just a person with diabetes self-training, then I think just start watching for those behaviors Um, and then have a huge puppy party as soon as you're seeing them um, to encourage it from the get-go.
0: Yeah, build that confidence. So they're not yeah. questioning it? Yeah, exactly. You
1: can build that confidence early yeah. on with them. Um where sometimes with those older trained dogs, occasionally we see like the kind of confusion of this this isn't exactly like what we've been working with for the last twelve months. Right. But it's kind <laughs> of
0: like it. But, but it's <laughs> kind of like it,
1: exactly. It's kind of like it. Um It's fascinating yeah. how you can do that. When do you like when do you typically or your clients typically see the high alert start on your own? Um
0: with like pickles?
1: Yeah, pickles or any uh, like the poodles you've been working with,
0: if they do high alerts, I can't remember. Um, pickles was. This will be a good extra of this is pickles. I placed him while Knox was in his honeymoon phase, Ooh, and that was a yes. mistake. If you guys are remember honeymoon phase, oh man, don't don't, do don't, don't don't do it. Don't train don't train the dog. Uh-huh. I promise. It was it was me. Um, uh, yeah. This is like three <clears throat> or four years ago, um, and so his high alerts. He was. Offering them, but it was really wonkous because then his high alerts kind of got ruined because it yeah it just got weird because he was so he was high a decent bit because it was just so it was so crazy so his high alerts were very wonky for Mm -hmm. like a year yeah um, because they he would he would alert but I could tell it was just so like not as high for so long and it just got really weird with him he alerted. I think that the second time they spent with him, so okay, it was like day 6 or 7, but he'd already been, you know, yeah, training for a year and some change, you know, yeah, on some training. So. Yeah, but pretty early on. Yeah, early like, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, okay. oh yeah, I know the smell. No, we can do that too. I think he went into <laughs> a low first of Knox's, and then I think maybe his neck color was a high, okay. if I remember correctly. Okay,
1: yeah. Yeah, I forgot about the honeymoon. I, I did one of those as well, and <laughs> never again. It was a bad idea. It's, yeah. And I knew that people warned against that, but I don't know, objectively, like you talk to these families and they need a diabetic work dog just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, why not? It's, you know, can't be that important. It is, in fact, it is important. that important,
0: <laughs> especially if you want the high alerts, like his lows <laughs> yeah. never really had, he always was great with his lows mm-hmm. and he, he did it. And I'm glad that pickles was there for them. Because the honeymoon phase is upsetting because it's so Ugh. everywhere. So I'm glad Pickles could help him with the lows. Mm-hmm. Um, but the highs were just like, yeah. it was a struggle for Pickles. Like he tried really hard, but it just wasn't, mm-hmm. it was so. It was, it was tough on him because he was not going to The chronic highs.
1: And, and then they're also figuring out their insulin dosage because it's constantly changing mm-hmm. the ratio that they need because they're trying to make sure that they don't drop it too fast. Meanwhile, their pancreas is like mm-hmm. continuing to crap out more and more. Right. And it's like still kind of working. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones I found is um, some for some people during that honeymoon phase, um, they are s- like they will dip low, but then I think it's the liver will actually bump them back up into range. Mm -hmm. And so that's what Franklin had issues with, is like this kind of, there weren't the chronic highs, but it was like this, you know, low and then, but almost a false alarm. And then it ended up that she was false alerted constantly. Um, She had a heck of a time as well. And we still don't even understand some of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I don't know, between the two of us, we both have have tried. (laughs) No honeymoon phase. No honeymoon phases, just hold off. 12 yeah. months. Spend time researching diabetic alert dogs and r- researching diabetes yeah. and, you know, joining all the groups and you have enough to learn about for now. Yeah. Hold off on the dog for a little bit.
0: Yeah, and also if you have a dog that you want to do it with, just do obedience. Yeah, that's want, a great point. Obedience is public access is harder Yeah. Um, than, than getting to the alerts, way. you know, everything. So. You can do
1: all the obedience, even in pet friendly places. You can do so much work. That's so much work. I mean, and then by the time you get around to sand training, you'll have such a good relationship with that dog. Mm-hmm. You'll have such good like learning history. I mean
0: it'll be impulse control. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah, that's a that's a really
1: good point. Yeah. I haven't actually I haven't ever recommended that to people. I've always been like, well just wait a while. But if people really want to get started, that's a great suggestion of okay, I'm not gonna stop you from yeah. getting started on this project, but just spend the next twelve months building
0: obedience and obedience. the foundations of like public access work and yeah. yeah most I mean dogs flunk out of service dog work typically because of their public yeah. access issues um, anyways because mm-hmm. your dog let's say your dog is alerting in public that means at least they're confident so you need to have a yeah. confident dog in public which means having <clears> decent <throat> obedience and all that impulse control and all that stay work and all that healing so much public <laughs> access is 20 <laughs> times harder than oh, yeah. to a trained dog. Yeah, Um, and at least in my opinion, as a trainer, Mm -hmm. um, and seeing people,
1: yeah, deal
0: with it, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and twenty times is you know risky for having a dog wash out. I can't remember the last time that I worked with somebody who had a dog who just like couldn't alert. But I can tell you a hundred times that people have had dogs that were scared of things and couldn't go into public, or you know, did alert barking and couldn't be full-fledged service dogs mm-hmm. so yeah the the learning is the easy part so if you build that foundation have that public access dog ready to go after honeymoon period it's a much better way to go that yeah definitely
0: yeah definitely mm-hmm. really important um can we do one more question do we have time for one more we can
1: do that. i don't remember what time we started so we can always cut it out okay it. <laughs> fair enough <laughs> <laughs> okay next one this is a hot topic and always the first one that we get from parents <laughs> in emails is, will the dog night alert or how do I train a night alert? So
0: uh, you can start that one, Maggie. <laughs> first one's maybe. <laughs> maybe your dog depends, will right? alert at night. Um, uh, yeah, That is, you know, if I've had a long day at work and I've, you know, been out of the house for eight plus hours and I come home and I go to bed, I fall asleep. I don't wake up. <laughs> that's true. I barely wake up to anyone, like, probably should have seen a mock podcast, but if someone came into my house and, like, came into my bedroom and I was asleep, <laughs> I would not wake up. Like, I am yeah. dead asleep. Like, there's <laughs> nothing. I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> I am not waking up for anything. Your dog is the same. Mm-hmm. Like, it, your dog, That if you're going to have a service dog that's going out with you every day and doing the public access and... Doing all that, they're just not gonna have the energy. They're, they're, gonna sleep. they're gonna go to bed. Yeah. Dogs sleep more than us. I mean, granted, granted, they are in public a lot of times, they are sleeping, but it's not like a good sleep for good them. Sleep. Like, it's not a restful sleep. Especially not if they're supposed to be paying attention to blood sugar right. that whole time. Yep. Like, they're <laughs> still on, even if they're, mm-hmm. like, even if they're napping during your class. Like, they're still, they're still not, they're still just, it's still yeah. a lot for them, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think it's, it's, it's very, if you have a dog where it's like, oh, it does public access sometimes and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, uh, it's chances of having night alerts are greater or if you have an in-home diabetic alert dog, your chances are going to be greater. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you have, you know, an insanely high drive dog, maybe, you know, yeah. but it, it's really, it's really a tough one because dogs got to sleep. Yep. Dogs got to sleep at the end of the day. I, I, that's I really a, do. that's a tough one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're they're still dogs, right? Yeah. <laughs> they are not CGMs, mm-hmm. um, so you kind of have to deal with the fact that they get tired, mm-hmm. um, and I think um, you know the high drive dog is a good point of it does depend on what your dog's personality is. You know, so these little spaniels yeah. are more likely to night alert than our lovely big old boy Mac. Yep. The Labrador, who really likes <laughs> to sleep. Likes you to sleep. know? Um, and I, I, think I think he has done he a couple. Had like, a, a 1 a.m. had some, I think some 2 a.m.s. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, had yeah, some, some of, good
0: ones. Yeah, he's done it.
1: Um, but, you know, Rooney was also a lab who was high, I don't know if she was high drive, but high energy.
0: Just <laughs> <She's> high something. <laughs> high something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. a phenomenal night alerter. All hours. Doesn't matter. She is on top of it. And ridiculously good at her job, um, but it really depends on the dog. And I train, I train both those labs the same. They are just individuals, and so I think that's why you know starting that answer out with maybe is really the best answer, and it's not what anybody wants to hear. But you really just don't know. It really depends on the dog, and you know who they are. In addition to also your point of what are they doing during the day. Yeah, um, I mean, Rooney is pretty much in-home. Um, um, occasionally, she'll go out in public, but mostly in-home. Um, mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Mac goes to grad school. Yeah, and so that is also probably some of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's also, yeah, It it's just hard, like, mm-hmm. yeah, at the end of the day. And I've even heard of people having an in-home diabetic alert dog and then a public access diabetic alert yes. dog. Yes, yeah,
1: I think Black dogs Rule, mm-hmm. they were one that did that a while back.
0: Yeah, and it just makes it where you do have you know, two go on. not that I recommend mm-hmm. getting two puppies yeah, and do training that. one for di- you know definitely not at the same time. Do not do at the same don't. time. Wait <laughs> have one, make it really good and then get another one and yeah. you know this whole thing. But yeah, night alerts are just not mm-hmm. I would I would go into it thinking that you're not gonna get night alerts and yes. then be pleasantly surprised when you get them. A
1: hundred percent. I think I think that's a really, really good thing to call out because I think so many people when they get into diabetic alert dogs like They hear what we say, and they're like, yeah, 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 night alerts can never be guaranteed. But they're so desperate that they're like, but maybe this will be the one, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe my dog will do it. And then they're disappointed when their dog isn't. So I think it is important to say you need to go into it counting on night alerts not happening. Like, just really black and white there. Um, And then if your dog does give night alerts, fantastic. But also know that a dog giving night alerts does not mean that they give night alerts for every time that they need to alert. It means that sometimes they give night alerts, um, but not every time. And it's never something where you can, you know, turn off your CGM alarm or anything like that. Like, it's really, it's never truly gonna give you peace of mind. Um, I hear that a lot from parents of, I really just want peace of mind with a diabetic alert dog at night with my kid. Well, it's not gonna give you peace of mind because now you have two tools that you're just kind of hoping they don't both miss it at the same time. Yep. But it's not like your dog is going to be coming to you again in that Disney moment and saying, your child is low at the perfect 79 milligrams per deciliter. You should go attend to them, right? Like, no, the dog's going through cycles of REM sleep. And when they're kind of at that more conscious level, then they're more likely to wake up and be like, hey, I could potentially get a snack right now. I should better go get mom and dad. But your kid might be in the 50s or the 40s based on when that REM, mm-hmm. REM that REM sleep happened. Yeah, they could be late. Yeah, the, they could be late to yeah. it. And, you know, better late than never. That's true. But yeah. it's not like they're, you know, like CGM where it's checking every five minutes either. Uh, so that's kind of depressing. But Yeah,
0: it is depressing. I mean, there's ways you can help them yeah. out. Oh, yeah. you should talk it. about that. You should talk about that.
1: <laughs> More <laughs> we'll uplifting. It where like, This
0: will <laughs> increase your chances by 5%. Um, yeah. Uh, you can. I did it with pickles, and I've I've known you've done it with dogs. Where we, I sneak a hidden sample. Yep. I, I I get yes. a hidden sample without his knowledge, and I have it in like a little like airtight little baggie with like an yes. ice pack on it, and I go and I I put it in my bedroom before he goes to bed with me, and then we'll go to bed and all. Um, Either because I'm anxious about like teaching alert, yeah. I usually just wake up at some point and do it. Oh, I'm impressed. Um, or I uh, do not. <clears throat> you can do like maybe like a vibrate alarm on your phone, yeah, to like put in your bed by you, yeah, things like that, and then you pull it out yeah. and then you <laughs> and then you just lay there and wait for this dog to potentially wake up yeah. to alert to it. Um, I've gotten where to the point where I like would set it right on uh, like in. Right by his crate. Mm-hmm. Pickles, I tried that. Um, and then at one point, I had him out of the crate and I just set it up by his nose mm-hmm. in front of yeah. him. And he woke up to that one. But okay. I could never, in the crate, he never woke up. Granted, the hidden sun yeah. sample is very tiny. Mm-hmm. I don't expect the same accuracy. Um, yeah. but I have never got to the point where he would alert in the crate at night with me doing hidden sun samples. Never yeah. got there. It is really hard to get to. And I've a lot of dogs that we transition them before I get to that point.
1: Yeah. And then, with live alerts, it's kind of coming from all over your body yeah. too, so that helps a little bit more than like a p side. Yeah, he's
0: had he had a hidden alert, or he had a live alert. Two knocks, I think, a week after he was placed, and Come he on. did his doorbell alert. Oh, nice to Andrea. To knock his mom. So like yeah. it did it. It was like midnight, which I don't know. I don't know yeah. when he went to bed or anything, but. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it, I don't know if that helped him. You know, yeah. I, I, public pickles doesn't didn't do very much public access with them. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's just. He yeah. goes with them if they need them kind of thing, but not very frequently, yeah. so it's pretty
1: Yeah. I chill. think, you know, kind of like we talked about with the car alerts, the other important part to it is there's a lot of stages and things you can do prior to actually being in the middle of the night to set them up for success, mm. right? You can bring a scent sample at 4 p.m. and lay in bed and just, like, hang out with your dog there and encourage them to alert. Uh, even before that, you can do your scent training in your bedroom. You can do it while you're sitting on your bed. And you can you know do all these tiny little steps getting closer and closer to it so that they learn, hey, this is somewhere that we alert to. We get to play this fun game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can you know get to the point where in the middle of the night you're waking up. I like your methods better, my method, because I would never wake up on my own. And I sleep through a lot of alarms. <laughs> um, so I would just drink like three giant glasses
0: of water before i went to bed there's times i have completely wasted samples like i didn't wake up because
1: i would wake up at 8 a.m
0: and there's uh, my very thawed samples (laughs) and i have just
1: accidentally taught the dog to basically ignore (laughs) the odor yeah yeah so that's when i started drinking so much water yeah my stomach hurt but then you're very impatient for that
0: dog to alert in the middle of the night because I can't get out of bed until they alert to it. Yeah. So well, I wouldn't nice. necessarily recommend that. Maybe now if I'm good. training one, it'd be great. I have to, I like go, I have to get into the bathroom pee <laughs> at least every night at like around midnight now. <laughs> That's That's so awful. I'm like what well, <laughs> an old lady. I couldn't have had this bladder when I was you know twenty two. Right? <laughs> when I was training pickles, would um, have been much more convenient. It been much more convenient. Um, yeah, was great. But yeah, yeah. No, I think I it was in the beginning I was very like excited about it. Yeah. you know, like and I wanted I wanted to like think I was thinking I was falling asleep like trying to think yeah. of this night alert. You know, um, and I was very disheartened because he did not be perfect for a mm-hmm. while. <laughs> Shockingly, dogs do not do
1: perfectly on night alerts whenever they're sleeping. You <laughs> yeah. know, because
0: you know, huh? Uh-huh. It's almost like they want to sleep too. Yeah, yeah. So night but. alerts we want them, but. Not guaranteed.
1: Not guaranteed, yeah. Um, I think, I guess, just kind of a couple more practical things you can do. Um, one is, uh, you know, like we talked about, um, working with the sound samples. Another is that um, decreasing the time that they are in public. You can consciously say, hey, I would rather you do a little bit more work at night, and so for a couple weeks, let's try not having you be in public quite as much. Um and one of those things to really keep that in mind with, I would say, is uh, the dogs that work for kids. If the dogs are going to school at like 8 to 4 or 7 to 3 with their kids, um, and then going to lacrosse practice afterwards and, you know, beta club and all these things, like, my goodness, that dog is probably not going to night alert. So tired. It's tired. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that is a lot for a dog. Um, you think about pet dogs, and they stay at home all day while you're at work, and they just sleep. They mm-hmm. don't do anything, um, so we're really asking a lot from them. So, yeah, kind of you kind of have to consciously make that decision of more mm-hmm. public access and less night alerts, or yeah. you know scale back on public access and get more night alerts potentially, but yeah. it's never a given. Um, and then the other thing is you can switch up where they sleep. Uh, so a lot of times um, we will try and do some tether work at the beginning stages with the dog, and they are tethered to the bed on like a curandacot type thing. Where, um, they... A curandacot? Yeah. What do you call it? Kundura? I'm sorry, a what? Isn't it ca-
0: Kundura? <laughs> Kundura.
1: <laughs> what <laughs> were you saying? The, it starts with no, a K? It starts with a K. Curandicot.
0: Curandicot. K-U-R a something?
1: Okay, well, like a place bed. <laughs> the key, though, is that you want the dog to, like, not be... Maybe you're right. Yeah, see, <laughs> if you look at the letters, pretty sure. I mean, it might be I Rather than cot. Unclear. But, um... <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I've been saying something completely different.
1: Kandura, It's <laughs> Definitely not
0: Kandura. That's my <laughs> Alabama coming out. That's right. <laughs> Kondura.
1: Uh, but, yeah, you can change up where they sleep. You know, try um, putting them on a cot that's... Honestly, not quite as comfy, right? They're going to be shifting positions a couple more but times during the night, but that means that they're more awake and they're more likely to say, hey, I can get a snack right now um, and alert you to it. So mm-hmm. you could try that. You could try sleeping in the bed thinking that, like, they're closer to their person. Um, most of the time I find that the dogs <laughs> just sleep harder. <laughs> they're more comfy. They're like, more I'm with my
0: person. They're passed of, out. Yeah.
1: Uh, but you could try it, you know? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe for your dog to work.
0: <laughs> oh. hmm. I always thought about like uh, another thing is like making my dog like a superhuman athlete and then they're gonna be like and then stop working, like not stop exercising them, and they're gonna have so much energy, they're not oh, gonna know what to do with it. You're right, which is extreme and this which, is a bad idea, but, but I mean, yeah. I mean, you'd only get it for a while, <laughs> yeah, it'd be <maybe> short lived, it <laughs> be short lived, or if you just have like on a ridge like three days a week, they have rigorous exercise. Yeah, and then the problems. other days, I don't know, like there's stamina, stamina, you know, yeah. like helping them out. Totally, I
1: don't know. You're building up the stamina. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of varieties of you know kind of things you could try out, but I think with all of it, like it is a trial and error. Yeah, with any dog, and it's dog dependent, and it's <laughs> dog dependent. Like you can, I think the first thing is like you try all these ideas, see if any of them work. And then at the end of the day, if you know you've been with your dog for six months or a year, and they've been you know fully trained for that amount of time, and nothing is working, then you realize that maybe they're just not a night alerting dog, mm-hmm. and maybe you bring in another dog to be a night alerter because yeah. your dog is fully trained and just not you know not great at that, mm-hmm. um, or maybe you just say, okay, that's kind of where we're at.
0: That's just not a tool we can use right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but which is a bummer. But that's kind of what we have to work with. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I know any dogs that are... Besides maybe Rooney, but she's... Outlier over there. She's an outlier, <clears throat> where she's yeah. doing the Night Alerts as well.
1: Yeah. A lot of my other ones are just, like, sporadic. Sometimes. Um, Benny started off really good, and then I don't know where he's at now. Mm. Um, and, like, Philly started off really pretty solid. I think, interestingly, I've noticed a lot of them start off... So, like, around two, they will actually be really good Night Alerters. Um... I tend to place them a couple months before that, so maybe that's what happens, like in the transition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost like at that stage, they're pretty good mm-hmm. night orders, and then they continue maturing, and it kind of declines. I don't um, know if it's a maturity wise. I also don't know if it's like earlier in their placement, they're really good at it because they're, they're more get, on edge
0: and they're getting so much training. And too. they're getting a
1: lot of training. That's true too. Maybe you know. it's,
0: yeah, maybe it's training I mean, frequency. Wait, see. I mean, I lack some training all the time with my dog. Yeah, um, it could just be maybe. as. As, you know, once you get your diabetic alert dog, you know, you fully train these dogs mm-hmm. and then send them on. They probably, you know, like do everything for a while, but then just, you know, yeah. relax the dog's alerting, <laughs> you know, and the dog's alerting, you know, but I guess yeah. if you want to light night alerts, like you're going to have to keep pushing training. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one of Maybe. The, yeah. the key things, especially with your crew.
1: Yeah. Huh. There's clearly no silver, silver bullet or clear answer here. Maybe. 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 It depends. And probably um, not. <laughs> yeah, exactly your dog and your scenario but you can kind of do a couple things to at least give it a good shot
0: good shot so.
1: okay I think uh, i wrap it up here it
0: was, Yes, got
1: four solid questions in
0: um, that is all that we have okay. for today just a few questions that people ask very very frequently I wanted to kind yeah. of give an opportunity to answer them yeah, hopefully this is the uh, first of many. Hopefully. We'll see how much this editing takes. <laughs> <laughs> That's valid. <laughs> uh, but um, where can people find more things about MD Dogs? Oh, be- yeah,
1: well, um, our website is mddogs.org, and it has a whole bunch of free information on how to train your own diabetic alert dog. So we have um, a free book on there as well as a whole free video series. And you can learn all about everything from how to select a dog to how to bring them home and start your scent training and um, what public access goals you should work towards. Um, and then sometimes we have some dogs fully trained that are uh, actually available if you kind of think that self-training maybe isn't the right, right fit for you. Um, but mddogs.org, as well as just Amazon, you can search our book, uh, Diabetic Alert Dog Training Steps if you want the hard copy version
0: right and you have a new one coming out relatively soon
1: we will hopefully have a new everything coming out in a couple months um so we will be doing a third edition of the book with probably some more steps to make it a little bit easier mm-hmm. <laughs> um after getting some kind of feedback and working with a whole bunch of clients and then also i have um be who i'm doing a new video series with okay. and so we'll be kind of hopefully revamping everything for a a new edition. Everything still works how it is, but um, just kind of helping to make it easier for the average person who
0: is not a dog trainer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Breaking it down. Yeah, um, breaking it down absolutely. even further. So I guess early twenty twenty four.
1: Yes, probably. that's a good goal. Yeah, go. we'll work towards it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Very <laughs> cool, but this awesome. Was, this is fun. Yeah, this is fun. This was, Thanks uh, for listening, tuning in, tuning in. We'll hopefully we'll see you next time.
0: All better.